Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks Hall. Hits it at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back to Talking Out Loud. I'm your host, Sully, bringing you nothing but the best Dayton basketball conversation for the next 40 to 45-ish minutes. A reminder that this is still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans. Wild weekend out in St. Louis is what we had, and we are here to recap it. I got Blackburn alongside me tonight uh, to, to get into a little bit of the carnage, say what went down, what did not go down, whose reactions were justified, whose were not. And you know what? Before we even get into the Arch Baron rivalry, the Jordi Jet incident, which will live in infamy, we can all just take a deep breath. It really wasn't that serious, to be honest with you. It wasn't that serious. But I'll give my take. Blackburn will give his. Give you our opinion on what we went down. I was at the game. I kind of saw it went down, but not really. Didn't sound like anybody at the game really heard what went down. But anyways... Uh, that's the news of the day because there is not much to talk about with the actual game that took place on the floor. Dayton goes to St. Louis and takes an 11-point loss that honestly makes the game even feel a little bit closer than it was. Um, the Flyers got down early in this one, and they never really threatened to make it close. Um, I was thinking to myself while I was in the arena that, hey, we're going to have to do a podcast this week, so I got to come up with what was the story of the game. And then all of a sudden, the story of the game erupted towards the end. But I was thinking in the back of my head that there really wasn't a story in this one. Dayton got beat wire to wire. Every time that they would threaten and get the St. Louis lead down to about six, Billikens would stretch it back out to 10 or 12. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of runs in the game to speak of, which really didn't even make the game all that exciting. There were a ton of whistles in the first half which broke up just about any momentum that could get going for either team, really, Dayton or St. Louis. Um, and then, of course, you know, they went into the break uh, down by a handful, and and that was kind of where they stayed. It, it was just one of those nights for the Flyers where you felt, you know, I, I don't know if they're, they're going to get over the hump, right? Um, halftime deficit was 34-25, um, which kind of felt huge, but... I didn't feel like they were completely out of it because they had missed a couple of shots here and there. Um, But those shots just never ended up falling for the Flyers. And frankly, uh, what happened was a a pretty uninteresting game. Uh, Blackburn 
did I cover anything there that uh, you wanted to add on to the game? Because there really was not a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, not like you said. I mean, it, the game never felt in doubt, right? I think UD had a couple runs where they they cut it to six. I think once or maybe twice. Six, they cut it, yeah. Cut six it, was then, the closest they got. Yeah. And then literally, like clockwork, the Billikens would would go on a you know seven zero run or something to kind of uh, stem the tide. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where um, look, it's it's the Archbaron Cup, right? You know, it, it, this it's just another entry into the long list of um incidents and heated uh heated alter altercations <laughs> there have been incidents there have been a lot of incidents in the arch baron cup yeah but I, this is something that somebody dm'd me and they said it almost feels like we kind of spoke this into existence like <laughs> like it, like loud loud was kind of easy to market because it was purely a twitter based campaign and with repetition and people asking what is loud, what, what are you guys talking about? It's and just the one word, real simple. And you know? eventually, you know, the, the students who follow the, the, the site and our accounts, they picked up on it and that kind of had a life of its own. Correct. But the, the beauty, and again, I'm not here to, stay, to say whether or not the Irish Baron Cup is real or not. That's for you to decide. But the beauty of the ABC thus far over the past, I would say, five years is that it's kind of permeated into other outside fan groups now <laughs> where you have UMass people and LaSalle people and being like, boy, that's just a cup for you. <laughs> like, wow. wow. Did you see what happened at the end of the UD uh, St. Louis game? I guess it's real. That's I guess they're really, cup. it's just a cup. There really is bad blood. And it is. It, and I think you and I had that, had a quick conversation about this right after the game, how in a strange way for the, for the, uh, the legacy of the Arch Baron cup, it was maybe the best thing that could have happened uh, to kind of further the kind of uh, the mystery and kind of the, is it real? Is it not? Um, you know, uh, dichotomy we have going on with this. So like I said, you can look at the evidence, you can make up your own decision, whether or not the ABC is real. I tend to lean towards the fact that it's actually started to seep into both programs. And like I said, even outside programs are starting to pick up on it and starting to think that there actually is something there, which is amazing. Yeah, because this site, this podcast, um, our entire existence, we've been huge proponents of the ABC, and, and we've been purveyors the to yeah, we, the lore. Yeah, we we've just been purveyors of the rivalry, and we want people to respect <laughs> it, and we want it to be known in college basketball circles because we don't get enough respect being the Dayton program that we are. We just don't get enough respect in general, and we want the we don't want that to to filter into the rivalry. We want the rivalry to get its respect, despite you know the respect that we do not get, right? Right. But um, you're right. The, the loud thing took a life of its own because I think that was very easy for us. Um, I mean, I think the loud movement's probably almost a decade old. I think it's like eight years old. It's getting and, up there. Yeah. Yeah. And now loud is has kind of like been adopted around the fan base because it's our thing. And the and school as well. Well, that's the one thing that I have always said is that loud. Uh, we know loud silly. We do, but we love it. You love it. OK, we get we get the whole thing. We start, you know, start right here in Blackburn Review. But the loud thing was great because Dayton was always lacking their thing, right? All, all these programs, they all have like that one thing that's specific to them. And then all of a sudden, we got this word. It's only for Dayton basketball. That's why it's great. Okay. When you see loud LWD in college basketball, it's only one program. It's us. 
that's why it's cool. <laughs> all right. I just want to put that out there so that we're keeping everything a buck. Okay. The ABC, and again, being the, the sole purveyors that we are, um, it, you know, it has taken on a life of its own. My favorite part about the ABC is when it permeated to the St. Louis fan base. And now their fans are fully on board with the ABC and the rivalry. And again, being purveyors themselves. So now we have former players referencing it. The coaches are very aware of the rivalry. It can only go up from here. And whether you believe this story to be true or not, I'll again, we'll let you decide the listener. But I got a DM from David Jablonski. I mean, the story that I'm about to tell, not getting DMs from Jablo. He did DM me. That's a fact. But Saturday night, I got a DM from Jablo and it said, Jordair, Jed and I are having postgame beers. He said he did it all to spice up the rivalry in an otherwise dull game. I handed him the MVP trophy. Now, I don't know how Jablo got the MVP trophy. And again, you can decide whether that story was true or false. I tend to believe that Jablo has never lied to me before. I don't know why he would do it now. He said it was a fine chapter for the ABC, and he thinks that AG wanted to change the storyline a little bit. What do you think there? You think Jordan just did it to spice up the rivalry? I think so. I, I think Jordan, like, you know, Jordan or Jet, uh, we'll just point out the fact that that was probably the first time Jordan or Jet had been in the Chavez Center or Chavez <laughs> Arena since he graduated. Yeah. So I, I don't want UD fans. In a while. To- <laughs> I don't want them to get the impression that Jordan Jet sits courtside at every slew home game. He's not, he's not a, a season fan. ticket holder. Yeah. Right. He was there to get sworn into the Billiken Hall of Fame, which, my God, that's a low bar, I guess. Um, it is. And, you know, I, he was just chirping a little bit because uh, it, it is the ABC at the end there. Um, you know, I don't I don't I don't really care. Like you said, it's 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 kind of a lot. A lot of talk about nothing at this point for the most part. Yeah, um, sure. I, I do question the fact like, like Jablo, Jablo has a little bit of BR energy in him where he will say certain things and you don't you kind of look at him sideways and you don't know if it's true or not, but it doesn't matter as long as you think it's true. Yeah, so exactly. I'm kind of doubting that Jablo and Jordan Jet ended up at the same bar. I, I don't see that happening unless it was some kind of, you know, big post game St. Louis bar or whatever. Again, not for me to say. Right, um, exactly. I just, I'm just telling you the facts of what was in my DMs, so you can, you know, you can take that any way you want to. Right. So now that we've properly contextualized the rivalry and that Jordan Jet might have been spicing it up, here's where I land on this whole thing. Okay, and I, and I, I think people know this about me at, at at this time is that years ago, I probably would have like fired some shit off on Twitter and then like backtracked it a little bit, like the next day, been like, all right, cooler heads prevail. And then I come up with a conclusion that's just like a little bit more rational. These days, I'm pretty good. In the moment, I'm pretty much going to say the exact way I feel. And then it's not really going to change too much after the heat um, dissipates. Right. And here's what I saw in the arena. Okay, first and foremost, and I want Flyer fans to know this. um, Chaffetz is a great place to watch a basketball game. It just is. It's a whole, it's a very open bowl. You can see every other seat in the arena, which makes for a very cool experience. Like no matter where you're sitting in the arena, you can see whoever else you know in in the arena sitting down, right? Which is always nice. Sight lines are great. Um, The first half, and again, maybe some of this was because of the momentum of the game and there were so many whistles and a lot of fouls. The game was physical. We knew St. Louis was going to go in and play that kind of game against us. The first half was devoid of any kind of energy whatsoever in the arena. I mean, it was quiet. 
The crowd arrived late. Um, there were still hundreds of empty seats, you know, in the second half. I would say at least a thousand people showed up like considerably after tip for a one o'clock game on a Saturday afternoon, which was super bizarre. I'm not going to play like fan police here or attendance police. I'm just telling you, like the arena was not full at any point. Right. And then I go on Twitter today and or maybe it was last night. And Travis Ford was like, that was one of the best environments I've ever been in. That was a load of shit. I'm going to tell everybody right now. That is a load of total BS. That is placating your fan base. You know, I'm not here for it. That wasn't even a top 30 A10 game atmosphere I've ever been to. There has been NCAA tournament games in neutral arenas with 5,000 people that have better environments than Chaffetz. Towards the end of the game, like there were a couple consecutive baskets made where people started getting a little bit louder into the game. But I'm telling you, there was not significant crowd noise until about eight minutes left in the game. And if you're calling that like one of the best environments ever at Chaffetz, Frankly, I feel bad for those fans that they think that that's like a big time environment because it was it was like I'm not going to go like embarrassing, but like it just wasn't it wasn't anything like I when I walked out of the arena, my first thought was not like, boy, those St. Louis fans really gave it to us all night tonight. It was it was just boring and it was kind of quiet, to be honest with you. So now we're getting towards the end of the game. And, and I'm going to be honest, I was on my phone a little bit and I saw Mally like go towards the end there and I kind of looked down and then I look back up and there's that's when the scuffle happened right now. I want to preface this by saying when I sat down in my seats and I'm going to say uh, we were maybe the game had just tipped or it was about to tip off. I remember looking at my group and I go, oh, look. There's Jordan Air Jet, like way down low. He's getting a seat courtside. And he was in different seats courtside, I think, like in front of me. So he was like, he wasn't on the end lines, is my point. He was on the sidelines for most of the game. So I pointed it out right away. And I don't know how you feel, Blackburn, but I never particularly had a whole lot of ill will towards Jordan Air Jet. I mean, he beat us a good bit in those like two seasons, 13, 14. But I always kind of liked the guy. Where did you land on that? I never minded. I did too. I thought he was always like a tough kid. Uh, solid guard. He was kind of like a lot more talented London Warren to me. And not just because of the hair. It was just the way he kind of, he wasn't a go-to scorer, but he could get buckets great defensively. And yeah, he was, he was the kind of guy who always seemed to make a big shot against UD. Correct. So, I mean, and you know, the hair doesn't hurt, obviously. No, of course. Um, he still got the predator, like you said, the predator hair. He's, he's got the predator look. Yeah, yeah. Which always made him kind of intimidating, I guess you, you could say in those years. Um, but again, he's not a season ticket holder. He's not there all the time. I promised. Okay. He was, he was coming in for a cup of coffee, which great, you know, being the hall of fame, whatever. So again, the game was very much in hand as we all know. And my initial reaction is you're a 30 year old man. What are you doing? You know? And cause Mally took the ball and he went, you know, past the end line. And as it was told to me afterwards, the ball got like stuck between his legs, like in his crotch or something like that. And he kept it there and held it there. And then he kind of gave him like a stiff arm and then gave him like a get the fuck out of my face type of deal. Right. Okay. I mean, is that like overtly offensive? Like not really. Uh, I'm sure worse things have been said in the game. Uh, maybe even that day there were worse things said on the court. But the fact of the matter is the game was very much in hand. 
he had been given those seats after halftime, after like his little induction ceremony. So that's what that's not even where he was sitting during the game, which is why I brought it up beforehand. But you're wait, a 30... wait, wait, wait a second. Go ahead. Are you are you suggesting here live on the air that he was purposely moved to the end line? Possibly. Wow. Possibly. Okay. Possibly. Okay. Now, I don't know. I, I think from what my slew friends told me was that they were like a donor's courtside seats and it was like, oh, you can go and sit down there. Um, But I want people to understand one thing. okay? and if you've never sat down low, you don't know this. When you sit down low like that, you are part of the game. And this was something that came up in one of my favorite 30 for 30 documentaries, the Reggie Miller winning time. He talks about how. Spike Lee is such an annoyance at the garden because he's part of the game. And when you sit down low that close, all the players can hear all the things that are coming out of your mouth. If you want to yell at them, they hear you. If you want to heckle them, they hear you. If the ball goes past the end line and it happens to go right into your chest, guess what? You're a part of the game. And for a former player to act like a kid, frankly, when we all are very aware he's a 30-year-old adult, that was that was kind of embarrassing to me. Like, I, as I'm, I think I'm like one year older than Jordi or Jet. If I acted like that at UD Arena afterwards, like I might have thought it was funny at the time. Afterwards, I would have been like, I'm kind of embarrassed that I did that. That's kind of where I'm landing on this. In that, again, was the event that serious? No, nothing really happened of it. But you're a grown adult, bro. What are you doing? That's that's where I'm at, Blackburn. What say you? Well, you're going to be shocked to hear that I have a, a slightly different take than you on this. Of course. That's why we're laying it all out there today. So I get what you're saying. For for me, age is irrelevant. You know what I mean? People people act like idiots whether they're the 55-year-old coach of the that's UD Flyers. True, but but I, do, I have to put it out there because if it's a college student sitting down there or even if Jordi or Jet had like graduated last year, I could probably give a bigger hand wave to to that than a 30-year-old man. That's where I'm at. See, I I, I understand what you're saying. I do make a a slight exception for the fact that he was a a former player. So he kind of feels like he's still in it, right? Like that's still his school. That team is still, you know, he could walk into the locker room after the game and be welcomed because he's a former player. Absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, you served in the Iraq war. You're a vet. Like you can relate to other vets. Not on that level, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Are you gonna you gonna equate basketball to war? We're yeah, going to war. Who no. said that recently? They're like, we're going to war. It was somebody just did that. It was like a Duke player, Kentucky player. All right, sorry. Go ahead. But so I think he, I think Jet got a little bit caught up in the moment, kind of like, look, I, I am part of the the squad here. Like everyone, I'm here. This is a hall. Wouldn't it be kind of cool, or you know, to get the the crowd riled up or act defiant towards Mal Smith? Because he's a Dayton guy, he's the enemy, blah blah blah, right? And like I said, if I watched, I wasn't there in the, in the arena, obviously, so I didn't see what was going on because the, the camera like cut away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. Anthony Grant, okay, a fifty-five-year-old man uh, who's getting paid over a million dollars to represent the University of Dayton, runs like a fucking crazy idiot. To <laughs> yeah. what? To do what? I don't know. Did, was he going to square up with a fan from the stand? I don't know. He looked like a complete fucking psychopath. Um, and like I said, put it to you this way. Let's say UD is playing St. Louis at home 
and the ball goes out of bounds, and Brian Roberts does the same thing as Jordan Jet, and Travis Ford runs 70 feet onto the court, ostensibly to fight a fan. Now, I can guarantee you the onus and all the blame and all the outrage we pointed towards Travis Ford. So for me, I was kind of, I mean, I was laughing because it was so absurd that Anthony Grant, uh, you know, who's closer to 60 than he is 40, goes <laughs> out onto a court in front of 10,000 people uh, to, to fight, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, and yeah, I thought that was very funny. I thought it was embarrassing as well. I think it's, it speaks a lot to his character and, and it's, you know, it might've given us a glimpse into who the person he really is. But um, yeah, for me, I was kind of still kind of shocked after the game that a man in his position and his age um, who is, you know, is involved in the game and knows how emotions get in these type of games would do something like that. You know what I mean? And then it was like this kind of like tough guy antics after the fact. And it's like, dude, you're getting your, your shit pushed in. Like what do you, you, the time to be a tough guy was two hours ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's cut the act here. You know, you take the loss like a, like a, like a man, uh, quit the, quit the tough, act, tough guy routine and, you know, try to have a season where you don't lose 10 games. Be tough about, be tough about <laughs> other teams. Though. Yeah, I, I guess um, I think it's embarrassing for me to see our coach run across the court like that. There's there's nuggets of truth on both sides, right? Because I I agree. I don't know what AG's idea is there, but I know what his initial reaction is, is that if you see a fan doing anything physically towards your player when one of the players goes into the stands, your inclination is probably going to be to run in that direction. I think we can both agree there. Like that's, that's kind of, that's just how it's going to play out. Right. Um, so it was definitely embarrassing that Jordan jet felt the need to act like that in the heat of the moment. It's probably equally embarrassing how much the Dayton coaching staff overreacted because to your point, almost a hundred times out of a hundred, when stuff like that happens, the team congregates, they push the guy away usually like a staffer gets involved right? Right, and they, they push the dudes away. Now, again, what you're talking about was on way more display because it happened on the opposite end of the floor. So right. the Dayton bench had to come all the way across the court. Okay. And generally in those situations, AG is going to be further down the court than just about everybody. Cause that's where he spends his time during the game. So I, I can definitely see your point as well. And again, now, that's did, why we're here for me, the good conversation. But, let me cut you off real quick. Did And I don't know this because, like I said, they were focused solely on Anthony Grant out there acting like a psychopath. Did any staff member from St. Louis rush off the floor, uh, off the off the sideline to get involved? You know, I, I don't think initially because initially right. there there wasn't any slew players involved. That's that's kind of the big dividing line here, right? Like what AG probably saw from 75 feet away was there's three of our guys they're in some sort of scuffle in the crowd. That's not good. Like whatever's going on, it's not good, right? Um, but in that so, situation, don't you just go over there, talk? You your can't players. just let it play out either. That's what, right. That's but what at that point, nothing. at that point, I felt like the the situation was already kind of done with. You know what I mean? Pretty much. He was walking away, and then he comes on the court, and he takes it to another level. It was kind of already subsided, and I thought yeah. it was kind of this very. I don't know this fake tough guy macho. Thing. I don't know what well, it was I, about. I, his messaging was. I, I can tell you that his messaging was probably something along the lines of, "I don't care if he's a former player or not. 
he's a fan in the stands. And there's a hundred that that's a hundred percent on the nose. That's something for security to take care of, not not the head coach of the visiting team. Yeah, but you know he's going to do that anyway. Any coach in his position would do that. Any coach. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't think so. Honest to God, I don't think so. I don't know if he. I don't think. I don't know if he was. He was frustrated because, um, it, it was pretty much the final nail in the coffin in the season. I mean. Whether or not you believe that there is still an at-large hope, that's up to you. I, I personally don't believe that, but sure. um, you know, it, it was kind of a, a moment of, of exposure for for Dayton. You know, they played a, a team that plays pretty good defense, and we saw what you know, um, like we said last week, they're not going to score eighty-two points every game. Yeah, uh, and this is certainly one of those games where they were going to score eighty-two points. Nah. but yeah, like for me, I was just like, what in the hell is he doing out there? Yeah. And, and again, that's why there's there's both sides of the story here. Um, so so then the last part of it to, to bring this all the way home is that, of course, the first reaction I get from slew fans on Twitter was, well, if you Brian Roberts or Obi or Mike so did that, you'd be cheering him along because um, as it goes, I probably secu- would <laughs> security. OK, yeah. So I, that's what I wanted to address last is that security did step in rather quickly i think this whole situation was diffused within like 10 to 15 seconds yeah so security steps in and they they had to do what they had to do which was escort jet out of there because if it was any you know if it's a fan and they do that you're getting escorted completely out of the building i think he got relocated to other seats again given who he is in that building which again that's totally fine fair play so he so people were getting fired up and cheering and I'm like, OK, why are we cheering for this? And then, of course, he gets escorted out and people start getting way more fired up. And my end thought to that is, would people at UD Arena do the exact same thing and cheer? Absolutely. <laughs> I would still feel 100 percent the same way that if one of our guys did that at UD Arena, I would still feel a little bit embarrassed about it because it's just it's just kind of a childish thing to do. That's why, like, I I don't stand for like childish BS, you know. Um, and and that's that's kind of where I landed on that. Is that yes, would UD Arena people scream and holler and yeah, that's our guy? They definitely would. But then afterwards, I would be able to look at it and go, eh, I don't really feel great about that. But like I said, if Travis Ford or any coach in the league did what AG did. He would be the goat at the end of the game. It would be not and not to goat in a sense the greatest of all time. Well, people were already standing up there like AG standing up for our guys. I love it. And I'm yeah, like, oh, it's like, do you? Do you really? Okay. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Again, I don't know what he was standing up for. Um, that's what I'm saying. It looked like for me the reason I thought it was psychotic is because the, the situation was kind of taken care of. It seemed. Yeah, players were I, walking yeah. away, and he was the one that kept it going. Where he's, you know. Mean, mean mugging, uh, you know, the, the fans and everything. It's like, dude, go take your loss like a man. Pack up your shit. Go home. You, you, you yeah. lost. Like, and, have, and have some semblance of pride. Don't let them know you, they, they got to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, and that's definitely the other thing because he was fired up. He was pissed. Um, he was probably pissed because he thought, like, someone was trying to hurt his guys. But that's, you know, no one was trying to hurt anybody. Like, let's let's be real here. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that the Dayton's coaching staff's reaction to it probably sparked like 50% more hubbub yeah. over this whole thing. Um, you know, Mally's reaction in, in the heat of the moment that sparked a little bit more, but, but I didn't see what I'm he gonna, did. I didn't see what he did. I don't think he did much to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm going to put this in the spin zone for you real quick. Okay. We talked about how this season is important in that we need <laughs> to keep the guys on the roster who are 
for the future. Um, I think you know who I'm talking about two here. Guys, two guys in particular, yeah. And if your um, six foot eleven freshman son is on a team and his coach is running on the court to defend his players, as a mother or father, you'd probably be pretty proud about that, and you would really want your son to play for a guy like that. That's what I'm saying. That's that's where my spin zone is. Well, uh, flip side to that, if if my six <laughs> eleven son. Uh, got five shots in 30 minutes. I'm like, you know what? That's the tough guy routine's nice, but uh, maybe more, more than five shots. shots. Yeah. Maybe I care about the shots better than, you know, the cool looking coach out there, you know, th- threatening to fight everybody on the court. Maybe that's what I care about more. I don't know. Call me crazy. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Again, we're putting a spin zone back. I'll be crazy. Here, here we go. Um, we're, you know, almost a half hour into the podcast. Haven't talked about the game much because there isn't a whole lot to talk about with the game. What I will say to get into the X's and O's was that um, credit where it's due. I really thought that St. Louis had a good game plan for Dayton. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought they executed it really well. Um, before the game, I ran into a friend close to the program. Um, usually has some really good information for me as far as like what kind of game we're going to expect. I trust his opinion a lot. And he said, you know, Slew's going to try and play really physical. Uh, they're going to try and limit our post touches. And they're going to try and take Duran out of the game. And guess what, people? That's exactly what they did. Uh, Duran was one for five. He finished with four points. That's becoming kind of a trend in Flyers' losses right now. Um, and frankly, you know, that was that was the game plan, was we're going to be physical. We're going to take Duran out of the game. Um, they forced Malachi Smith into shooting 14 shots. That's not what any Dayton fan should want to see. Um, The most successful games that we've had this year, Malley's not shooting a ton. Um, He's passing the ball more and he's distributing. So that's what I want to say about the game. Blackburn is like credit where it's due. It was a really good game plan. Um, Even when I thought that the Flyers, sorry, let me back up. I thought the key to the game for the Flyers was we need to take Collins out of the game again and you have to get slew in foul trouble. Now, both of those things are not easy to do, and that was how Dayton won the first game. And so I just didn't feel like that was going to be replicable again, and I just didn't really feel great about uh, Saturday morning when I woke up when I was going to the game. And that was the main reason why. I thought that what they did against Slew to win the first one was not replicable, and I just didn't feel like this team could put together a completely different game to come out with a win. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right, and – you know, it's kind of just representative of every Travis Four team we've seen since he's he's come to the conference, where um, physicality is at the. They utmost. shoot free throws, though. Well, that was the other thing I was going to mention. That unfortunately, this isn't a team anymore where you can count on them going forty percent from the line and keeping in the <laughs> game. You know what I mean? They went eighteen for twenty-one. Uh, you know, so that's that's tough. And um, but you're you're right. It was obvious from the get go they were sagging off of of Malachi, uh, let them have the the looks from the outside. Um, they weren't they weren't following uh, Holmes up for the ball screen at the top of the key. Matter of fact, there were so many times in that game, particularly in the first half, where he would catch the ball, you know, fifteen feet from the basket, and he would turn around, and he would there would be nobody on him. And I think I think he took two or three jumpers from there. But it was like look. We know your game is just two feet from the rim. Most of your points come from dunks. Um, so we're going to let you catch the ball 15 feet from the basket and see what you do. And, you know, nine times out of ten, he, he passes it back off to somebody. But, yeah, I mean, look, th- we knew this coming into the game. A-, a team that's physical, and this has always been the case, it seems, with Dayton. 
is that a team that's physical and can rebound and um, you know gets to the line, they're going to beat Dayton nine times out of ten. They really are. Dayton, for whatever reason, has never seemed to be like really a tough team, and they're, they're not necessarily finesse either. But they're mm-hmm. somewhere in between. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, thank God for Kobe Ellis. He was the only Elvis. He was the only guy that kind of can get his own shot and was kind of a threat from the outside. Um, outside of that, my God, man, um, you know, Amzel, I, I, I know we've been talking about this for two years now, but um, yeah, it might be time to kind of put that horse down. I don't know. I I don't I, I don't know to do it. I don't know what you do yeah. with that situation. I mean, he's yeah, eating up know. twenty minutes a game. It's kind of you're getting really you're getting nothing in return. I, I get more questions nowadays about Zimmy. Like, what's up with Zimmy? Like, all I can tell you is there's there's probably a reason that Zimmy's not playing a whole lot. Um, and, yeah, and it's because I I don't think he's going to be a better option for this team than than what they're already putting on the floor. Um, it still is just absolutely uh, flabbergasting. Where Amzil went from last year to this year, I mean, I, I, it doesn't even look like the same player, you know, like all the things that he did well last year, I haven't even seen like hints of that. And, you know, he'll always go down and date and lore for the Kansas game, but it's just like, I, I really, I can't say what else he, he gives this team right now. Um, I guess he, he can guard inside and outside, I guess. Um, but you're absolutely right, man. Drawn Holmes hit like a jumper to start the game. And I was like, all right, good. Let's get it going. You know, let's, let's, you know, hit some inside, hit some outside. Like, let's do a little bit of everything today. Then he never hit a shot from the field again. Um, he, his only other points came from the line. He was, again, one for five, four points. And Kamara was, was kind of the same way. It was like they were sagging off of him. He didn't really get the looks that he wanted down low. The Flyers really weren't getting any kind of easy looks down low. And it wasn't for lack of trying. I can tell you that much. But you said it. Kobe Elvis goes four for six from downtown. The rest of the team's one for seven. Uh, Malachi Smith, he could have had 15 three-pointers in that game if he wanted to. And unfortunately, attempts, yeah, attempts. <laughs> exactly. Attempts is what I yeah, – yeah, 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 you corrected me. <laughs> um, and, and unfortunately for him – that's going to be the case until he makes people respect him. I mean, to be honest, he's getting the London Warren treatment right mm-hmm. now. Like no yep. one is going to step out and guard him when he brings the ball down the floor. Now people are trying to get the ball out of his hands, but no one really fears him from the three point line. And they don't fear Kamara from the three point line and sure as hell don't fear Duran Holmes from the three point line. So you can kind of see what I'm getting at here. When you got three or five guys on the floor that can't shoot the three, Teams are going to start packing it in on you. They're going to start being physical down low, denying the entry passes. Dayton's going to see a whole lot more of that. And if uh, if you want the the optimism, it's got, it's got to come after this statement. We're going to see more of that, and Dayton's got to adjust quickly, or we're going to see more losses. So um, you know, you, you sat here on the last last episode and you said ten losses is is a certainty, right? Um, and that's that's pretty much the case. So. You know, let's let's turn the page here. I think everybody's back down to reality because that the whooping of VCU um, was uh, very kind to us in the computer metrics because VCU's defense was so good going into that, and we torched them so badly, right? And so now uh, we're we're all back down to earth. Flyers are again they're top or they're sixty two. They're above sixty in the Ken Palm. I think they're right at sixty in the net now, or maybe a little bit higher. Um, you know. There, there was never any there's never any doubt in my mind that they were not going to be an at-large team and it, you know I, I don't think we needed like 
discuss it any further, but people got excited. And you know what? If Dayton would have beaten St. Louis on Saturday, there would have been a little bit of room for excitement. But here we are, Blackburn. We're back in the dog days of the A-10 season. Um, the games pretty much between now and the end of the regular season don't matter a whole lot. We're still going to play for seeding. But I will say... Uh, this is the dog days of the A-10 season because our next six games are, are all against inferior teams, and I would be stunned, absolutely stunned, if UD won all six of them. Yeah, I mean, you could you could almost say 100% they're not going to win all of them just based on probability. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for real, that's just yeah. the way it works. There's nobody – Vegas would gladly take that bet and give you insane odds that they're going to run off six in a row. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, yeah. we talked about it before we got on. This is the, the so what stage of the season you win you lose so what it doesn't really matter um it was always the worst time to have a mid-major college basketball blog when you're 15 and 8 or 14 and 9 and you know the season's pretty much over but yet you're still cranking out post so here glad- we are baby <laughs> i'm glad ship. <laughs> but i'm glad i'm glad that that anvil has been taken off our shoulders um, yeah, but you know what? And I will say this because everybody that's going to be listening right now has been following the website, following the show for as long as we've been around. Um, this next month is where our decision to not write articles anymore mm-hmm. is going to be 100% vindicated. Absolutely. Because there's nights that are fun. And I'm not going to lie to anybody. Like, if I would have had to write an article last Wednesday after we beat VCU by 30, that would have been a ton of fun. I'm be honest with you. <laughs> Even after the Jordan Air Jet incident, if this would have been like an at-large season and that was a bigger game and we got this incident to talk about, it would have been a ton of fun. But what's not fun is writing about the next six games and obsessing over them to any degree that is beyond turning on the game, watching it, and then turning off the game. That's the level of involvement you need to have coming down the stretch here because we're still playing for top four. That's the way that UD is going to win the A-10 tournament if they indeed can rattle off some games. They have to be in the top four. And frankly, right now they're in a pretty good position to do that. Um, If you have been um, loosely following the A-10, that's fine. Um, You'd be... I mean, you'd be correct to do so. But really what it's looking like right now, Davidson's got a full game lead on the rest of the pack. St. Louis 7-2. and two, Dayton, VCU both 7-3. and three, And then Richmond 6-4 uh, and four as of the time of this recording. They're playing George Mason right now. But it kind of looks like Davidson's going to run away with this one. Um, but then, like I just said, Dayton's only one game back, uh, or half game back, rather, of St. Louis for that second spot. And they're if the season ended today, they'd be a number three seed. So, Blackburn, I think the odds that the Flyers finish in the top four are quite good right now, right? Yeah, I'd say more likely than not, uh, given the road ahead. But uh, again, Sully, you're the quiz master. How many A-10 tournaments has the has Dayton won away from UD Arena? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> we have one zero. So it's like you know, it's it's kind of like Mally Smith's jump shot. You, you got to until until I see it, it it, it has it's not going to happen. You know oh, you I mean? know, I'm the exact same way. I mean, I say that now because I'm like, here is what we need to do, and right. it's not wrong. No, um, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, but do I believe the Flyers are going to win a ten tournament? Absolutely not. I will not believe they can win the a ten tournament until the clock hits zero 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 and the confetti goes off. But I'm going to be there. So if it happens this year, I'm, I'm almost a little fearful because if I, I I'm going to the A10 tournament this year, but if I go and then they win it all, I can't miss another A10 tournament like ever. You know, 
or well, I guess until the next year and they'd lose it. But well, I mean, let's not get carried away. I mean, I, I don't want to see you 60 years old at, you know, <laughs> I gotta uh, go. Hun. <laughs> I gotta go. I Dad, mean, they haven't won in 40 years. You don't understand. I gotta I see you go. Yeah. I, you, nobody can live with that kind of existence. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, it's like, um, I think this year was good for a lot of people because it, not that it, it made us realize how irrelevant Dayton basketball is. Cause can be it, how irrelevant it can be. Right. But yeah. it, relevance is all a matter of your perspective, I guess. Sure. If, it, if it really matters to you, that's fine. I think generally we all understand nationally this, this program is, is irrelevant, particularly at this stage. You know what I mean? Where correct. You're 15 and eight and um, you know, losing to Austin P and stuff. But um, maybe it is kind of for, this is kind of a good year for people to kind of take that, that, um, that, that fandom level down, that kind of intensity down. Well, what like, I you want know, to come down is the like beating your chest, like look how great we are, bullshit. Like, that's what I mean. We, we need to win games on the court to be beating your chest every year. That's all I'm saying. Right. In a, in a weird way, AG coming out onto the court, being the tough guy, <laughs> kind of represents. A, a significant part of the UD fan base where it's like you are, you're pumping your chest for no reason. Yeah. Um, you know, look how tough we are. Look how good we are. Well, yeah. you guys are in third place and you're significantly out of the at large. Right. No one's buying it. You know what I mean? We're not buying the act. So, yeah. Um, and that's a good thing. You got to recalibrate kind of where the program is every few years. Uh, unfortunately, we're on a, a downswing, obviously, um, you know, since the, the Yobi years, but, um, you know, uh, we'll we'll get on with it. We got another month or so, right, of games. Yeah. We head to DC, see what happens. You know, flip a coin. Uh, maybe you get in the. Uh, I mean, you kind of hope that they can at least win two games to get to the to the title, and at least have exactly. That, you exactly. know, forty we, minutes away. You know. Yeah, you're, you're talking you about. Really yeah, you, you talk about. Um, you know, ideally, what I always say is that getting the number one seed in the A-10 tournament actually kind of sucks. I mean, we don't have to worry about it this year. I don't think the Flyers are going to catch it. Yeah, you play at yeah, noon. noon. Yeah, it's it a nooner. Sucks. And it's on a, it's on a Friday, right? Yeah, it's a nooner. So yep. I have always said where you want to be is the three seed because the three seed plays at like 8 o'clock at night on a Friday. You're going to get the best attendance you can possibly get wherever the A-10 tournament may be. This year it's in D.C. But I always say two or three is where you want to be. And they got a pretty good shot to be at the two or the three this year. So I remain a little bit hopeful in that regard. Again, Blackburn said it. It's uh, And I said it. Dog days of the A-10 season. There's Duquesne Wednesday, Saturday against George Washington. Uh, Monday, they go to Rhode Island, then to Philadelphia for St. Joe's that following Saturday. And then it's UMass and LaSalle to finish out the month. Um, nice thing, Blackburn, is that the Flyers play on Saturday for the entire rest of the season. And... Uh, we finally get a Saturday home game. Haven't had one in quite some time. Uh, our last Saturday home game was December 4th against Northern Illinois. And so George Washington be coming to town and your boy is doing the third annual beer giveaway. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I got to be honest with you. I mean, it has grown and grown and grown. I think yeah. you're you're doing a wonderful service for these these kids who apparently can't afford twenty dollars for beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about that. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> but what is what is the vetting process with this? Like, do they have to sh- prove your that they're at least somebody in the house is twenty one, or you just kind of look the other way? And if you look the other way, don't say it because obviously that's going to put you in on the in, record in harm's every, way. Every house is verified that they can drink beer. On okay. the record, okay? Because the one thing you there. don't want is to drop off a case of beer 
and have somebody get in a car, get in a wreck, burn down a fucking house and kill somebody. Because then they're going to say, this this old guy, this alum came over, gave, <laughs> plied us with alcohol, which led to us making a life-altering uh, decision. And you'll, if, you'll, you'll be charged with something. If you're engaging in felonious activities after six natural lights, um, I don't think you should have been drinking to begin with. What if be you, would you let's would you ever drop off the case at like I don't know if there's any ho- homes in in a freshman dorm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mary Crest or something. Crest. Any guy drinks twenty four and jumps out the window. We're at two oh six in Mary Crest. Come on up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah we're we're twenty one. Well, that was my thought process when I started this with like, you know, you got to give me a game ticket and a house address because I feel like it it excludes a lot of different people like guys that just want to sit in their house and drink all day. Eh, no, you got to have some level of involvement where you're like going to the game. OK, and then oh, the other you thing, go to the game. Yeah. Well, last oh, year, okay. I didn't, last year, I didn't do that because I couldn't, obviously, like no students were going to the game. Right, so right, I couldn't right. be like, show me your game ticket. But if you remember two years ago. That was the terms like show me a game ticket and your house in the ghetto, dark side, whatever. And um, that was kind of how, how it went, because I thought, well, to have one of those houses, you have to be a junior or a senior. Right. 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 So that was kind of how this idea came to be. But I will say, as of the time of this recording, I put the note on Twitter. Um, if you want to donate and you haven't seen it yet, DJ Sullivan 082 is my Venmo. Again, DJ Sullivan 082 Venmo me. And then any money that I've left over after uh, handing out beer cases, uh, we will pay for everybody's drink that comes into Tim's for the pregame show, the Talking Out Loud pregame show featuring me and Drew, uh, which will start at noon Eastern. So that's all the leftovers. What about, let's say I'm a commuter student. I'm 23. I live at home with my parents. Would you come, and let's say I live in Beaver Creek, would you come to my house to drop off the case of beer? No, the rules are clear, Blackburn. They're clear. You so have you're, to have a house you're saying commuter, on campus. Commuter, fuck you. You don't count. Exactly. You're not really a student. Okay. You're not fair. right state. Get out of here. Go to I right just, state. You want to commute? Just, be, Go to right state. I think it'd just be great if you showed up to some kid's house in like <laughs> like a half hour away from UD and like his mom's like, what? Some man is here to give you beer? You just left this case of natural light on the porch. What's going yeah. on here? Dad's yeah. like, I knew it. I knew he was up to that stuff. <laughs> That's his lover, aunt. So that's that's the story. Uh, third annual. I'll be there this week, uh, this weekend. Uh, really fired up for it. I, I do love. Flyer, um, you're flyered up, dude. I'm flyered up, dude. It is a lot of fun. Um, just because people do girls like, do as, this? Yeah, girls. Girls enter in too. Yeah. Ah, okay. I thought uh, it was be dudes. Last year, I actually want to give a special shout out. Oh, last boy. year, I had two good instances. Uh, the girls that lived in my previous home in 225 Lowe's, they were extremely accommodating. Um, what does that mean? They, they, they were playing a little bit of a uh, flip cup and I, I got in oh. on it. You know, I'm, I can See, shake off the rust. That's what this is about. I think at the end of the day, I think you're getting <laughs> a lot of requests and you're just going through, you're going on Facebook and social media. You're like Kara O'Connor. Let me look her up. Yeah. I'll go to her house. <laughs> that's my you know take what, on. You know what actually did get me in trouble the first year was that um, I went around with a friend doing these deliveries and I think we had like dealer guy. Uh, who who he might look shady from time to time. <laughs> he's, he's a shady actually, guy. He's man. not actually a coke dealer. I have to have it on the record. Right, nice guy. Um, actually, we, we, we went around with uh with my buddy, and we went to like two houses on Woodland, and these guys were like ready for us to be there and like super fired up, and they were. Oh, it was like a party of a bunch of dudes, and they were all watching college basketball. 
And um, again, remember, this was 2020 season. So they were like, oh, did you see that this team move up in the rankings? And oh, we got the Virginia game on. Oh, come, like hang out and have a beer. So we're there. And we're like, all right, we have a beer. Went to the next house. Same thing happened. Guys like watching hoops, hanging out, guys being dudes. They're like, hey, have a beer. I'm like, all right, great. So we got to like the third house and I'm about 90 minutes in and I go, we're going to have to speed up this process because number one, <laughs> I'm getting a real good buzz on right now. And we don't and three I got <laughs> to drive to 25 more houses. Yeah. <laughs> so last year we we did more of a, a speed run. Uh, Drew and Grant Kelly, uh, Mike Shade were with me last year. We did two cars, four people. And uh, we knocked it out in like 90 minutes and we delivered like 60 cases of beer. So it was, it was a good time, man. Were there, we're, any, run it back. were there any stories from last year? Was any like, is there, there has to be something weird going on, right? Like there's gotta be. Um, last year, I remember being like weirdly um, scared, cognizant of the police that were around. Ah. And, and I say that because like, you know, think about when we did it last year, it was January, 2021. COVID restrictions and, you know, all of that was kind of still heightened. Like at Tim's, they sold like plastic on the walls and shit like that. <laughs> so, you know, not that I go to this and I'm like afraid of the campus police, but I didn't want them like following me around being like, what is this guy doing just because of the times? Like right. in a normal world, I would not have been concerned. But I remember last year being like, all right, let's just keep an eye on the campus police just in case. They try to give me some crap again. I don't know what they give me crap for. Like I get, and it's like not like I'm, you know, doing anything that's. They would just think it's weird that a guy's driving around with sixty cases of beer, handing them out to kids he doesn't know. I think (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Like I don't need questions, right? You know what I mean? Like that's That's where right. I don't need questions because the cops Um, like, what are you doing here? You're like, oh, I'm handing out beer, and the guy's like, for free, and you're like, no, actually, I raised money. Like what? What the fuck are you talking about? Money? (laughs) This guy's obviously a pedophile. Yeah. So last year, um, there it was less stories because we did it quicker. Um, like I remember the game was later in the afternoon last year and we did it beforehand. And so I did that on purpose because I had to be at Tim's by like one or one thirty or something like that. So that's why we knocked it all out. And then we started the pregame show at like two. So this was all done before the radio show even started. This year will be a little bit different. I'm gonna have to do it after the game. Um, so, you know, some debaucherous stuff. Now, are, you st- are you staying in the Gem City on Saturday night? I am. Yeah, I am staying okay. in Gem City Saturday and night. Are you bringing? Are you bringing the lady or no? It's the first time she's going to be at UD, so she's oh. getting a rude awakening. That yeah. is, I will tell you from experience, that is going to be an interesting um, time for both of you guys. <laughs> well, I told her I go if there if there's one thing I can say. You're, there's no better way that you could see the entire campus than what I'm about to do with you. True. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to see all the streets, uh, some houses that you don't want to see. You're going to piss in a toilet that's pretty gross, I would have to assume. Um, we're we're going to check all those boxes. So any yeah, more questions about the beer giveaway? I think that's about it. I mean, I'm trying to think of th- there might have been a more uh, entertaining way for you to choose the people. But really, at the end of the day, it's it's just a case of beer, right? Like, you know, 10 bucks, 10 you know? bucks, right? If you're a Flyer fan, you got a house, you're probably drinking some beers on Saturday. That's just, what that's what it's all about. It's and all key. you got to do is send a a picture of the ticket. That's right. Right. That's picture it. the ticket and to Twitter, and where you Gmail, live. whatever. Yep. Yep. Right. I, I like in the DMs, but, you know, it's all good. Yeah, I bet um, you do. 
All right, yeah, that's right. So uh, we do have a game in between now and then. It's on uh, Wednesday against Duquesne, which brings me to my next point. No rapid reaction this week because if we lose to Duquesne, I don't want to talk about it. And if we win, so what? We're supposed to win, okay? And here is my trivia question for the night. All the way at the end, I'm going to reward you for sticking around. Blackburn, um, to, again, highlight the futility of the Duquesne Dukes. First question, quick one. Uh, play the music. Uh, what year did Duquesne join the A-10? Wow. I will say uh, 92? Way back. They're actually a founding member of the A-10. Are uh, they? Okay. All, all the way back. All the way back. So, um, since Dayton joined the A-10, and Duquesne did this weird thing where they went to the Midwest Collegiate Conference, the, the MCC with Dayton, for one season, and they came back to the A-10. So, uh, that is 30 seasons since they were in the MCC. In those 30 seasons, Blackburn, my trivia question for you tonight, how many times have they been over 500 in A-10 play in those last 30 seasons? Mm. I'll say I'll say eight. <laughs> it's four. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, eight seems kind of high, but they and did two have of that- those. Two of those happened in the last three years. <laughs> Yeah, I thought maybe because in the early two thousands they they, got, they had some talent there. Yep, they're, correct. they're decent, but yeah, all right, that's, that doesn't shock me. But that's very very piss poor. I mean, yeah, that, that Florida it. might actually be higher than that. <laughs> no, don't get carried away. Over the past thirty years, they might be. Well, Fordham joined in ninety five, so uh, they don't have as big of a sample. Set. They might could be is all I'm saying. They might. Yeah. Could. <laughs> but yeah, Duquesne uh, two thousand nine nine and seven two thousand eleven ten and six and then uh, nineteen and twenty back to back years they went above five hundred. So God bless them. Um, Yes, yeah, I'll <laughs> do it. Well, we welcome it into the arena again. Um, this is kind of a take care of business game. Win ugly, win at all costs. Duquesne's two forty four in the Ken Palm. They're bad, bad, bad. Six and fourteen overall. One and seven in the conference. We're not going to go into the X's and O's. Just if you're going to the game, have some fun. Don't take it too seriously. Have some beers. Drive home safely. Blackburn, uh, we've made this cast way longer than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, uh, give me the final thoughts for the night. Final thoughts is like you said, we got we got six games. We're gonna get through them together. Win, lose, or draw, it doesn't matter. And uh, hopefully, everybody has fun this weekend and nobody uh, assaults Sully. Yeah, please don't. Um, that's not fun. I'm. A that's nice gonna guy. happen. You're talking yeah, sixty eventually. opportunities to get in a fight. It's gonna happen eventually. <laughs> eventually, someone's gonna find me on campus. Yep. It's so happening. yeah, that's it. Uh, again, no rapid reaction this week because of the opponent. But join us uh, noon Eastern on Saturday. He cost uh, me <laughs> because of the opponent. That's why there's no rapid reaction. <laughs> um, join us noon Eastern. We're gonna be at Tim's. If you're in town, come by. It'll be a good time. Uh, we'll be going noon to one thirty, and then we'll give you time to go over to the game. That's it. It's off the rails. Wear red, be loud. Catch you then.
A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.